God be in my head and my understanding. God be in my eyes and in my looking. God be in my mouth and in my speaking. God be in my heart and in my thinking. God be at my end and at my departing. Amen. When I volunteered to preach today, I had not looked at today's gospel. According to N.T. Wright, the former Bishop of Durham in the Church of England, our gospel today, quote, has a texture so rich that we may choke on it unless we chew it slowly as it speaks of God's word spoken in Jesus, God's name revealed in Jesus, and God's glory given through Jesus. He states that we need to continually read scripture to let us hear God speaking to us, sometimes over and over again until it becomes part of our unconscious. So that's what I've been doing over these past few days in between other tasks that called to my attention, trying to digest over and over again what John had written. So thus I was drawn to a memory from about 25 years ago that occurred at Stanford Hospital. As I listened to the comforting words of the anesthesiologist seated near my head and felt the needle go into my arm as he placed the mask over my face, I suddenly started to say the Lord's Prayer in my mind. It's not something I had planned as I prepped for my surgery or as I was wheeled into the operating room. It was a, a primal instinct kicked in as I was about to fall into a drug-induced sleep, totally giving up control of my body to basically a room full of strangers. Looking back at this memory still so clear in my head, I now recognize my subconscious plea to God to intercede and care for me in that environment that literally cut me open. Somewhat like Jesus in today's gospel, there was a need for me to turn things over to God. I had reached the point with my health that I needed medical intervention. For Jesus, it was a little bit more radical. He knew he had been betrayed by G Judas and the authorities would soon arrive to arrest him. He was alone. He was deeply troubled, so he prayed. To God. Who taught you to pray? For me, I suppose it was my parents. As a small child, I recall either one of them sitting on my bed before the light went out at night, as we said, now I lay me down to sleep, or as I got a bit older, our Father, who are in heaven. I had a cross-stitched picture of that prayer on my bedroom wall. On special occasions, we said grace at meals, but certainly not every day. However, we attended church every Sunday and the prayers that were repeated in morning prayer became a part of me as we recited them over and over again each week. I was taught that prayer was having a conversation with God, 
not just asking for things for myself, but asking for things for others and giving thanks for what I had. Our gospel reading today gives us a glimpse of Jesus's prayer life. Theologians call the 17th chapter of John Jesus's high priestly prayer. What does that mean? In Judaism, the high priest was the chief religious functionary in the temple of Jerusalem, whose unique privilege was to enter the Holy of Holies once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, to burn incense and sprinkle sacrificial animal blood to expiate his own sins and those of the people of Israel. He was the intercessor to God, intercessor to God for the people. So first, a little context of the before and after of this prayer of Jesus's. He had just told the disciples again that he would be leaving them soon. He warns them of the dangers that are to come. And in John, the disciples finally believe that he does come from God. He then goes off and prays this prayer. But immediately after, if we were to continue reading into the 18th chapter, we would read that Jesus and his disciples then leave the city of Jerusalem. They cross the Kidron Valley, which is not that far a space, to a place where there was a garden called Gethsemane. And we know what happens next. So imagine Jesus in this context praying to God. He is claiming that role of high priest. He begins by praying for himself, asking God to glorify him as the hour has come. Then he prays for his disciples. He asks God, his father, the creator, to preserve and protect them from the evil one that they will face in his absence. Substitute yourself or us in place of the disciples. Jesus is interceding for us with God. He tells God that the world as it exists does not know God. It will tempt us and call us away from fully loving one another. And we can think of Jesus continually interceding for us today on the operating table, while sitting in traffic and beside us as we venture out from this pandemic. While his prayer is between God and himself, Jesus's prayer does give us something to do or believe. It is an invitation to a relationship the relationship of God with us and we with God. The portion we do not hear in today's gospel are the sentences he concludes with. It is a prayer for the whole world that all come to know the love of God through his words and actions, as well as the actions and words of his followers. Jesus's prayer is one of cosmic proportions. As we represent Christ in the world, our baptismal promises to persevere in resisting evil, repent and return to the Lord, and proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ are the way for us 
to live into Christ's prayer for us. As Jesus prays for us, how should we pray? Intercession is one form of prayer that we practice as a worshiping community. We call the person who leads the prayers of the people, the intercessor. We've also been doing Bible study with dwelling in the word under the leadership of our Renewal Works team, learning how we can pray the scriptures together. Origen, one of the early church writers from the third century, wrote that prayer is always in Jesus rather than to Jesus. Chatting with Jesus as a friend is fine, as many of us do, but the New Testament presents prayer as letting Jesus pray in you and takes you into the very heart of God. Just as Jesus empties himself out of love for us, we, in return, can empty ourselves. We are a member of the priesthood of all believers by virtue of our baptism. So when we pray and join in Jesus' activity of prayer, we are doing a priestly thing, bringing the pains and needs of the earth into the heart of God. Rowan Williams says, it's not that God doesn't already know it. It is that God will work God's purposes out through what we decide to say and do. A fourth century saint, Gregory of Nyssa wrote, prayer heals. It is about reconciliation, justice, and how it changes your attitude to other people and the world. Prayer is not a private activity. It is about your belonging in the body of Christ and in the family of humanity. You pray because Christ is in you. And that is really happening. Then the sort of things you can expect to see developing around you are justice and reconciliation. The sort of thing those of us who have been gathering weekly in our sacred ground conversations around racism that we're just beginning to grasp. Prayer for us doesn't need to be as complicated or cosmic as Jesus's prayer. It can be a simple examine at the end of the day. Rest in God's presence. Give thanks for the day's gifts. Review the day and pay attention to your feelings. Pick one part of the day and pray about it. Look ahead to the next day. Where is God calling you? This week, think about a favorite prayer you may have. Perhaps it is the Lord's Prayer, or the Serenity Prayer, or the Prayer of St. Francis. It can simply be the entrance response of evening prayer. Oh God, make speed to save me. Oh Lord, make haste to help me. No matter who we are or where we find ourselves, when we need to give up control and put our hands, our lives in the hands of someone else, what will be your prayer? Amen.